Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Kenty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Baltimore is Deacon Greg Kandra, and we will be talking with him about two different topics. Advent Devotions, and the Plight of Christians in the Middle East. Deacon Greg Kandra is the Multimedia Editor for Catholic Near East Welfare Association, a pontifical society founded by Pope Pius XI in 1926. He oversees the agency's blog One to One and edits its award-winning magazine, One. He's also the creator of the popular blog The Deacon's Bench, now carried on the spiritual website Patheos. The Deacon's Bench attracts more than 200,000 page views each month. Before joining Kniwa, Deacon Greg spent nearly three decades in broadcast journalism, most of that time at CBS News. A Maryland native, he graduated from the University of Maryland. Deacon Greg and his wife Siobhan live in Forest Hills, New York, where he serves as deacon at Our Lady Queen of Martyrs Parish in Queens. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let's talk first about your new book, The Living Gospel, Daily Advent Devotions for Advent 2018. What was your motivation for putting together these quick two-page devotions for each day leading up to Christmas? Well, basically, the good people at Ave Maria Press reached out to me and said, uh, we have this series and we'd like you to contribute to it. What do you think? And they explained to me the, the parameters, what they were looking for, and I said, eh, okay, I think I can do that. I've, I've never written a book before, so this was a new adventure for me. And the each little devotion is really kind of bite-sized. Uh, there's a little prayer at the beginning and then a reflection on the gospel for the day. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought this was an opportunity to, first of all, um, compose brief, almost homilettes, uh, little homilies or sermonettes for each day of Advent. But secondly, to really call attention to uh, the importance of this season, this time of year. It's a time that is often lost in the shuffle of Christmas. I once preached uh, about how how we tend to conflate Advent and Christmas and create Cradvent, <laughs> mushing them together. And really, Advent is distinct unto itself, and it deserves its moment and some some reflections and some thoughts about what that season is about and why we need to give it special attention. So I jumped into it with that uh, that in mind, and it, it was a great experience. You know, one of the parishes that I used to uh, sing in the choir at uh, had what they called Advent carols. They were not Christmas carols. These were Advent carols. They were about this time of preparation. So that's I think it's important to, to make that distinction. For each day in this month, you've got a couple of brief readings, a reflection, a call to action, and a closing prayer. How do you think that format helps bring people closer to the newborn Savior? Well, it's really an opportunity to just take four or five minutes out of your day. You can do this in the morning. You could do it at night. You could do it as a group. You could do it individually. And focus your mind and your heart and your spirit on what this season is about. And one of the metaphors that I've used repeatedly throughout the book is the idea of a journey which harkens, of course, to Mary and Joseph journeying to Bethlehem, but the journey that all of us are on as as Christian faithful and as 
people seeking to draw closer to Christ and uh, anticipating the incarnation. And structured like this, with a short scripture reading and a reflection and a couple brief prayers, I think it makes it manageable. Uh, we have such a hard time in our busy days and lives right now to, to try and squeeze in prayer. And I think whatever we can give that's a little bit extra for Advent in anticipation of Christmas, I think is really a good thing. So I tried to make this, you know, little bite-sized nuggets for people to consume and food for thought to carry them uh, through the season. Why is this season of Advent so special? You talk a little bit in the in the introduction and in some of the reflections about the themes of light and darkness and how those relate to this lead-up time to Christmas. But why is this whole season so special? Well, it's it's anticipating the coming of Christ. You know, we talk about the three comings of Christ, when he was born, when he lives among us, and when he will come at the end of time. But this really focuses on Christ's incarnation and God's incarnation, God becoming man. And Advent is an opportunity for us to really reflect on that and its importance in our lives, its meaning for our lives, and to try to be a little bit countercultural. You know, there is so much noise and mayhem that goes on during the, the Christmas season and the pre-Christmas season with the parties and the baking and the shopping and all the things that go into the plans for Christmas. And one of the things I try to encourage people to do during this time is dial it back a little bit, turn down the volume, lower the lamp a little bit, and anticipate the coming of Christ so that that moment and what follows is so much more meaningful and impactful. We tend to make Christmas this one ongoing thing from Thanksgiving up to New Year's. Even before but really, that. Christmas begins on, on Christmas Day and goes beyond that. There's a whole other season of the Christmas season that, that needs our attention and our joy. And this should really anticipate that and get us ready for that. Yeah, I mean, we start seeing Christmas decorations, trees, the candy, all of those things in stores immediately after Halloween, sometimes even before. It's yeah, hard even not before. to get a little bit fatigued with all of that by the time Advent itself starts. How do we get Yeah, you know, it becomes like white noise. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It becomes repetitious. How would you encourage people to stay focused on not that stuff, but the, the message? Well, I think a, a great devotion to have at home, if you can do it, is to have an Advent wreath and do a prayer every night. You could do the prayers from this book as a family. An Advent calendar is a great tradition that is still among us, and a lot of families still keep at the forefront of their, their Advent lives. And try and delay as much as possible the, um, the frenzy of Christmas and uh, the decorating and the music and all that stuff. My father-in-law always used to complain about how the music in Catholic churches during the weeks before Christmas is so dreary. And he says in the Protestant churches, they tend to get into the spirit a little bit earlier. And he doesn't know why it has to be so dreary. How many times do you sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, yes. and hear it again and again? But there's a reason for that. You know, we are people waiting for God to come into our lives. And there should be that sense of anticipation and waiting and a longing and yearning. And at a time when there is so much instant gratification and instant satisfaction, when things come to us instantaneously, it's good, I think, to put the brakes on or hit the pause button 
and let Advent play out in our lives and in our hearts and, and really reflect on that. You know, mankind waited centuries, millennia, for Christ to come into the world. We can put up with 40 days or four weeks. It would seem so. It's interesting, too, you talked about the Advent calendar, and we were in a store the other day, and they had Advent calendars, but they weren't Advent. They were, it was all secular. It was all Santa and, and secular things, toys. It wasn't about Advent. It wasn't about you know the coming of Christ. And it was kind of hard to look at that and say, hmm, what's wrong with this picture? Yeah, yeah. And that says something about the times we live in, I guess. Yeah. Then we want to make sure that we let people know how to get your book, The Living Gospel, Daily Devotions for Advent 2018. Where is that available? Very easy to find. You can get it at Amazon.com. Uh, and there is a Kindle edition that is only 99 cents, so you can download that onto your – yeah, such a deal. You can download that onto your electronic device, or you can order a hard copy, 195 And you can uh, – at that price, you can a, buy a bunch of them and give them to your friends. Exactly. I was encouraging people, get it for Thanksgiving and give it to people instead of dessert. <laughs> no calories. There you go. Um, and you can order it in bulk also uh, from the publisher, AveMariaPress.com. And I do know of some parishes and some youth groups that ordered dozens of them uh, for their parishioners to have. And that's a nice little, it's pocket size. You can carry it with you anywhere. And so go to Amazon.com or AveMariaPress.com and uh, you can get a copy there. Yeah, for me, it's going in my briefcase so I can read it on the train on the way to work. There you go. All right. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Deacon Greg Kandra about the work of the Catholic Near East Welfare Association. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Perpetual Adoration Chapel at the Church of the Immaculate Conception in Towson is marking its 20th anniversary. Bishop Mark Brennan rededicated the chapel November 25th following a special Mass. Inside the chapel, the Eucharist is exposed inside a monstrance around the clock so visitors can pray and worship Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. The chapel was the realization of an idea championed by Monsignor Edward Lynch, a former pastor, and Martin Barry and Paul Smith, two of his parishioners. Barry died shortly after the opening and Monsignor Lynch in 2014. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Priests must always keep in mind that their mission is to serve others and not claim superiority over the people entrusted to their care, Pope Francis said. Meeting with seminarians in Sicily November 24th, the Pope told them that priests must never forget their roots and that God chose them from among their people to serve. He called clericalism, quote, our ugliest perversion, end quote. The Lord wants you to be shepherds, shepherds of the people, not clerics of the state, he said, according to the Catholic News Service. Bishops should take the time to know their priests and not act like the owner of a company or a master, but rather a father who helps them to grow and prepare them for the mission, the Pope said. For more on this, visit catholicreview.org. The Archbishop, who chairs the U.S. Bishops' Committee on Pro-Life Activities, cheered the news that the abortion rate in the United States continues to shrink, as does the number of abortions overall. Archbishop Joseph F. Nauman of Kansas City, Kansas, said he was gratified that the number of abortions in the United States continues to decline. The reduction in the number of abortions is due to many factors, he said, from declining rates of sexual activity, especially among teens, to pro-life legislative gains. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, 
I'm Kevin Parks. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566. 7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back on Catholic Baltimore talking with Deacon Greg Kandra about the work of the Catholic Near East Welfare Association, where he serves as multimedia editor. Deacon Greg, you're going to be in our Archdiocese December 8th and 9th to talk about the plight of Christians in the Middle East. Where is that, and what are you going to be telling the folks there? I'm very excited to be uh visiting. You know, I'm a Maryland boy, so this brings me back to my home turf a little bit. We're going to be at St. Lawrence Martyr Parish in Hanover, Maryland. I guess that's in Anne Arundel County. Correct. I haven't looked at the map too closely, but just I know it's... Just uh, off of the BW Parkway. Okay. <laughs> that makes it easy. Yeah. I know where that is. Uh, I went to high school in Laurel at Pilate High School, so that's not too far from there. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to be traveling with my colleague, Chris Kennedy, who is in our development department. I'm going to be preaching at all the masses, and the two of us are actually going to be giving a special presentation Saturday night uh, after the 5 o'clock mass to talk about the work that CNEWA does, and particularly the work that we do with Christians, uh, supporting Christians in the Middle East uh, at this time of crisis and, and persecution. So... The folks at St. Lawrence Martyr have a special ministry that is devoted to supporting and praying for Christians in the Middle East, which is what attracted me to the parish. Uh, I saw they were sharing a lot of our Facebook material and spreading it around, and I looked up their website to find out more about them and saw they have this whole ministry devoted to that. And Chris Kennedy contacted them and said, hey, we'd love to come down and talk to you guys. And they said, we'd love to have you. So That'd be great. I'll be there uh, December 8th and 9th. Good. So CNEWA has been in the Middle East for almost 70 years now. What kind of work does the society do there? 
basically our work is to support and uplift and promote the churches of the Middle East, uh, particularly the Eastern churches. Uh, we have a special affinity and affiliation with the Eastern Catholic churches. There are 23 rites of uh, the Catholic Church, and we support all sorts of institutions. We support orphanages and hospitals and religious orders. We support vocations, always doing this through the local churches. Basically, we have offices in Jerusalem, Beirut, uh, Amman, as well as Addis Ababa in Ethiopia and in Kerala in India. And we go to the local churches and say, what do you need? What can we do for you? How can we accompany you and support your work? And they tell us what they need, and we try to provide whatever we can in whatever way we can. Sometimes that is spiritual support. Sometimes it's financial support. Sometimes it is professional advice about navigating various bylaws or or regulations in the local communities. But it's always to, as we like to say, accompany these churches on their journey as they try to spread the gospel and live the gospel uh, among the people in their regions. You talk a little bit about the plight of refugees, and you mentioned to me earlier before we set up the interview about Iraqi refugees who fled ISIS and now trying to return to their their homeland. Are there other refugees? Where are they coming from? Where are they going? And, and how does CNEWA help? Yeah, there's a tremendous number of people, uh, particularly who have fled Syria, Syria and Iraq. Some of them have been just displaced. They've gone to other parts of the country to get away from ISIS. Others actually left their countries and went into neighboring countries like Jordan and Lebanon. And now they're going back. ISIS isn't an issue anymore, and they're going back to their homeland. And it's a real challenge for them because many of their towns and villages have been basically destroyed. Their homes have been demolished. Some of the villages have been booby-trapped. There have been things left behind to, you know, create havoc. And so we're helping them resettle and try and rebuild life again and to stay in their communities because we want Christians to stay where Christianity began in the Middle East, in the land that we call holy, and to keep their roots there. And a lot of these people have families that go back, you know, centuries and very deep roots, and they want to stay there, and we want to try and make it possible for them to stay there as much as we can. So we're trying to support them uh, in whatever way to, to rebuild their lives. Do you see any parallels between the refugees you assist today and the plight of the Holy Family, as they sought, first of all, a place for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, and then when they had to flee to Egypt? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the parallels are very strong. They, the Holy Family, of course, was fleeing uh, a kind of terrorism, a murderous king. Uh, they were fleeing violence and death and bloodshed and trying to start over in a new land. And so were these people that we're trying to help in the Middle East right now. They're you know, representations in many ways of what the Holy Family went through. And we're constantly reminded of their struggles and the dangers that they faced. These people, you know, when they fled ISIS, they were literally running for their lives. And many of them fled their villages and their cities on foot with nowhere to go, 
They had they didn't know who would take them in or where they would settle. And every day was a gamble. And it's it's been a very difficult journey for them. And it's difficult now to go back and see what ISIS left behind. And but, it's not like they packed a U-Haul trailer and took all their things with them. They no, them no not at all. Not at all. And many of the people who fled were religious. You know, the there are sisters who walked on foot, 40 or 50 of them, uh, for as far as they could go. Sometimes they were able to get rides. And it's it's horrifying to think of it. And to try and put yourself in their shoes, literally, is overwhelming sometimes. That's got to be difficult, uh, but it's good that you're doing the work. How can Catholics and others who are interested help CNEWA with its work in the Middle East? They should visit our website, cnewa.org. We are. Uh, I also we have have a blog on our website, the blog that I edit one to one. But cnewa.org is the easiest way to reach us, and you can make donations online. You can read more about what we do and the people we serve, and how we help them. We are one of the best kept secrets of the Catholic Church, as we like to say, because a lot of people haven't heard of us, because we tend to work very quietly and work behind the scenes, but. We are a papal agency. We work for the Pope, for the Holy Father. We were founded by Pope Pius XI. And we have a long and venerable history and very deep roots in the Middle East. And long after other agencies and other charities leave hard-hit communities, we are still there. We have offices there. We have people who work in the field who are constantly keeping in touch with what's going on. And uh, I should point out, if those who are interested, 87 cents out of every dollar goes directly to the programs that we support, which is very, very high for a, for a charity. And we're very highly rated in that regard. I don't imagine you will ever work yourselves out of a job. There will probably always be something <laughs> that needs to be done there, right? Well, you know, that's our great prayer and our great hope is that someday they won't need us. But I don't see that happening anytime soon, unfortunately. That is unfortunate. What else do you want to tell us about CNAWA and, and the work that you're doing? Well, we also, you know, in addition to working in the Middle East, we have offices in India. You know, they just had this terrible flood in Kerala that displaced uh, hundreds of thousands of people. So we're trying to help them. Uh, we also have, as I mentioned, an office in, in Ethiopia. And we've been helping them as they deal with the drought and climate change and all the, the challenges uh, that that involves. There is never a lack of things for us <laughs> to support and people to try and help. And it's always done in a spirit of love and support. We never try to impose ourselves on people. Many of those that we serve are not necessarily Christian. There's a great story that I like to tell of the Iraq war when the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq happened in, I guess it was 2002. And there was a group of sisters who took into their convent in outside of Baghdad a group of Muslims who were scared to death because the bombing was going on, and the nuns knew that they probably wouldn't bomb a convent. And they created a sp space in the convent for the Muslims to pray every day. And the mother superior said, we don't take care of them because they're Catholic, but because we are. And that's really our, our mission. We're fulfilling the command of Christ to love one another as, as he loved us and to act like the, the good Samaritan, reaching out to all those who are in need. So if you want to hear more about the work of CNEWA, 
Visit St. Lawrence Martyr Parish in Hanover this weekend, December 8th and 9th. Deacon Greg Kandra will be preaching at all the Masses, and there will be a special presentation Saturday night after the 5 p.m. Mass. We've been talking with Deacon Greg Kandra, author of the Deacon's Bench blog and multimedia editor for the Catholic Near East Welfare Association. We talked to him first about his book of daily reflections about Advent, and we just finished up talking about the plight of refugees in the Middle East. Thanks so much for being with us today, Deacon Greg. Thank you, Chris. God bless. Thank you. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review. Thanks for spending part of your day with Catholic Baltimore. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.